just kind of getting some things set up here so I can be comfortable. You guys all look pretty comfortable, so I'm going to be comfortable myself. Well, it's great to see everybody here. I realize for some of you, this is probably the first time you've been to Grace Point Church, and for some of you, maybe the first time you've actually been in a church, and so hopefully your experience so far has been a good one, and maybe even a, in a good way, a surprising one. Um, we realize that, uh, I always say this a lot, that the scariest thing a person can do is to walk through the doors of a church. Um, and maybe some of you guys felt that a little bit. You're walking up or driving up and your heart was palpitating. You weren't really sure what's going to be behind those ugly brown doors that we hope to do something with soon. Um, and you walked in and you saw people standing around talking. Uh, we want to be a, a welcoming church, but I tell our people, please don't be in people's faces. And if you've ever been to churches like that. Uh, we do some conferences sometimes and go to different churches and then check them out on Sundays. And sometimes people are just way too friendly. Like, this is not even possible for somebody to be that friendly, right? They must be hyped up on coffee or donuts or something. Um, so anyways, we try to be welcoming and hoping, hopefully you've experienced that and you've had a good experience so far. And my prayer is that you'll be encouraged with what we look at today uh, from the Bible uh, about what Jesus has for us. We're going to be in, the, in um, the Gospel of John, and that's page 1061. So if uh, you're going to use the Bible there, it's in the chairs, it's page 1061. We're going to look at this Gospel of John, a passage in the Gospel of John, John chapter 4. The Gospel of John is all about Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection. And in John 4, we have a, an interesting conversation that Jesus has with a woman that he meets at a well. All right, so I know today we don't have wells, and we don't stand around wells and talking to people, but first century, this is how they got their water. They would go to a well, and he meets up with this lady at this well. And as you're turning there, let me just ask you a question to kind of maybe key us in a little bit on what Jesus is trying to get across to us. How many of you, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you would like if people that you knew knew all about you, knew everything there was to know about you, or everything you ever thought, and maybe everything you ever thought about them. I think, if it's me, if you're asking me, I'd be like, no thank you. What they know about me is plenty. They don't need to know every thought I have. Because if people really knew who we were, if people really knew what we thought, and maybe even sometimes thought of them, our fear is we'd be rejected. And in most cases, people probably wouldn't want to be around us. Well, this morning, Jesus' main point is this. I'm going to kind of give you some uh, points ahead of time, and then you see if you can find them in the passage as we read through it. But Jesus gives us a main point. And the main point is also the answer to our question for this week, why believe? And it's this. Why should we believe in Jesus? Why should we uh, consider who Jesus is and what he means in my life? It's because Jesus knows everything about you and still loves you. We don't want people knowing who we are, really. I was listening to somebody talk about this passage, and he was saying, we, we're kind of like our own PR firm. We only want people to know the best parts of us. And so we, we put on 
our best face as we go out into work or go to church. But Jesus, he knows everything about us and still loves us. Jesus, God in the flesh, knows everything and still loves us and has done everything we need to have a relationship with Him in this life and in the life to come. He knows we can't do life on our own. He doesn't want us doing life on our own. And we certainly can't do eternity without Him. Well, there's a lot in John 4 that we're going to look at. So our main point is that Jesus knows everything about us and still loves us. And there's three truths that we see in this. Again, there's a lot in this passage that we're not going to deal with. We're going to focus in on three truths. And the three truths are this. Number one, Jesus meets you where you are. Secondly, Jesus knows your deepest need. And third, Jesus meets your deepest need. I get it. Not real profound thoughts. It doesn't rhyme. You know, I get it. But they're truths, and maybe they'll stick with us since they're maybe they're not so profound or rhyme like some pastors like to do, you know. So I'm going to read through John chapter 4, and I'm going to do something a little different. I'm going to, I usually read off the screen, but I want you guys to think I'm intellectual, so I'm going to put on my glasses and read from my Bible. (laughs) Right? Am I right? Yeah. I look pretty intellectual. Yeah, I'm just going to, I'm going to read through this. I'm going to skip some verses. Um... We're not really going to focus in on the disciples uh, today. There's some verses about them. We're just going to focus in on Jesus and the conversation he has with the woman. So I'll be skipping some. So you can follow along in your Bible or on your phone or whatever it is you use. You can follow along up on the screen. It'll be there as well. We're going to start in verse 3 of chapter 4. So it says, He, or Jesus, left Judea and went away again into Galilee. So he's going to go from South to north. If anyone cares in geography, he was going from the south, going up north. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph, and Jacob's well was there. So this is Old Testament stuff centuries ago. This well is still active after all these years that, uh, after it had been dug by Jacob. So Jesus, being wearied from his journey was sitting thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Which is a little interesting. Why didn't Jesus go with the disciples? So, kind of interesting uh, thing that he did there. Therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink, since I am a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked me or asked him, and he would have given you living water. She said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? You're not greater than our father Jacob, are you? (laughs) Yeah, and read a little humor, and it's God. Yeah, he's a little bit greater than Jacob. Who gave us a well and drank of it, himself and his sons and his cattle. Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks from this well will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him 
shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I will not be thirsty, nor come all the way here to draw. And he said to her, Go, call your husband, and come here. We'll talk about this. Like, why in the world is he doing, what's he, what's he saying? The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have correctly said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. This you have said truly. So the lady's looking around. Who told him that? You know, right? Anybody hanging around? Anybody in the well? You know, how does he know this information? The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you people, you people, Jews, say to worship in Jerusalem, in this place is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know, we worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. For an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When that one comes, he will declare all things to us. And Jesus said to her, I who, I who speak to you am he. At this point, his disciples came and ruined the moment, and they were amazed that, it had been, that he had been speaking with a woman, yet no one said anything. What do you seek? Or why do you speak with her? So the woman left her water pot, went into the city, and said to the men, Come, see a man who told me all things, everything that I have done. This is not the Christ, is it? They went out of the city and were coming to him. Now if you jump down to verse 39. From that city, many Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified, He told me all the things that I have done. How would you like to have Jesus relate to you all the things that you've done in your life. So, again, John doesn't tell us the entire conversation, but in that conversation, he told her everything that she's ever done. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they were asking him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Many more believed of, uh, of his word, and they were saying to the woman, it is no longer because what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and know that the one, this one is indeed the Savior of the world. we got to work through this passage. Because there's, a, there's some jumps that are taking place. And then it gets to the end and they're talking about Savior of the world. Okay, So we need to kind of work through this. We want to do it looking at these truths that relate back to the fact that Jesus knows everything about us and still loves us. And the first one we find is in verse 4 where I, I phrase it as, Jesus meets you where you are. Now, now, where did I get that from? Well, I've highlighted some letters here for you to kind of help us out. But it says that he had to pass through Samaria. Now, again, when you're reading the Bible, you know, you got to kind of read closely. You can't read it like you're reading a sports page or on your, you know, web page or something. He says that Jesus had to pass through Samaria. He didn't have to pass through Samaria. In fact, any 
self-respecting Jew would have gone around Samaria. See, here's the deal. Jews hated Samaritans. The Samaritans were people who, centuries before, were Jewish people who had intermarried with the nations around them. And these are now, in the first century, offspring of those people. And the Jews hated them because they didn't stay within the Jewish race, number one. And if you were to read through the Old Testament, you'd find out that after those people um, had begun to intermarry and all that kind of stuff, when Israel was fighting against their enemies, the Samaritans wouldn't back them, wouldn't back Israel. And then not only that, they said, we know better than you do as to where God should be worshipped, and so we're going to build our own little worship center here in Samaria. And we're not going to come to Jerusalem like you guys think we should. So there's great animosity. There's, if I can use today's term, there's racism going on. It's not just, by the way, racism isn't a modern day thing. It's been around since the beginning of time. And so these, these guys had no desire to be around these Samaritans. And so what they would do is, they would literally take and add a day or two or more to their travels by going around the region of Samaria. Because nobody wanted to deal with them. So Jesus didn't have to go through Samaria, but he chose to for two reasons. One, because God's message, God's offer of forgiveness and salvation is for all people. All nations, all races, all genders, all ages. And the Jews thought it was just for them. That was their, one of the big issues with Jesus. Not only did they didn't believe he was God, but they didn't like what he was teaching. But he, God, said, no, the message that I have for them, I need to bring them. And then the cool thing is, he chose to do this by going to a well that was a half mile from town, sitting there, sending his disciples into the town and waiting because he knew this lady whose life was thoroughly messed up. I mean, we know this, one, because she obviously is not very good at relationships, right? Married five times. I mean, she was divorced five times. She's walking out to a, a well that's a half mile from town when that, that uh, they have a, a well in town. So archaeologists have looked at this and they're like, well, there's a, there's a well in town and everybody comes there first thing in the morning. You know, we go to our sink, right? Well, they had to go to a well with their bucket, scoop it out and bring it back to their house. But they did it in the morning because they had to get the stuff ready for the day. Not her. She's so emotionally broken. She's so messed up that the people in town know her. And she wants nothing to do with them. She knows what they're saying about her. She knows how they feel about her. It's not like she's living in a town of a million people. This is not a big town. So she chooses to walk half a mile at noon, the hottest part of the day, so she doesn't have to be around people. So she doesn't have to see how people are looking at her and hearing the whispers behind her back. 
But that's exactly who Jesus wants to talk to. And so he sends his disciples on, and he sits there, and he waits there for her. He knew she would be there. He knew everything about her. And he wanted her to know she mattered to him. Which brings us to our second truth. That Jesus knows your deepest need. So he starts with, he wants her to understand this, but he kind of wants her to get to it herself. So he starts with her physical need for water. Then he moves deeper to her emotional need for relationships and significance. And then finally to the deepest need. And that is her need to have a relationship with God through Christ. So, she says, here, I think, yeah, here we go. She says, give me a drink. And, is that the right slide hanging? I'm lost. So yeah, she said, give me a drink. Or he said, and then she says, uh, how are you, a Jew, asking me for a drink? And then it says dealings. It uses the word dealings there. It's kind of cool. So she's like, she's shocked, okay? She can't believe, number one, there's a guy sitting at the, at the well. This is a half mile out of town. Her whole purpose for going there is not to see anybody. And here's a guy sitting there. Not only he's a Jewish guy, and not only that, he's a guy. And in the first century, not only would Jews not have anything to do with uh, Samaritans, but men wouldn't speak or couldn't speak to women in public. So this guy is breaking all the cultural norms and then he says, give me a drink. And this word dealings here is really cool. In the, in the Greek, it means share utensils. You know, kind of interesting how John throws it in there. You know, Jews wouldn't share utensils with Samaritans. They wouldn't want to be diseased by touching the things that they've touched to drink out of the buckets that they drank out of. But Jesus says, you're shocked. Let me tell you something that's shocking. If you knew who I was, if you recognize me for who I am, and you understood the gift that I'm offering to give you, that would be shocking for you. You would be saying to me, I want that drink of living water. But she continues to think physically, a physical level. She's like, well, where are you going to get that drink? How are you going to get it? This well is deep. How do you get the living water? Look at what Jesus says in verse 13 and 14. He said, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. Talking about that physical well. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him. So we're talking about something deeper than physical here. A well of water springing up to eternal life. The water that Jesus is offering this lady is, doesn't come from a well. It's something that comes from Jesus. It's something that is on a spiritual level, on a level, level far deeper than our physical. It's a spiritual thing. We all have a deeper Spiritual, one guy called it a soul thirst within us that we're trying to quench. Everyone has it. They may try to say they don't have it. They may think that they don't have it. They may 
say, I don't even care about God, whatever. But everyone has it. And so people try to, to quench that. And so they, they quench it, and really what it comes down to, it's, it's, a, it's a need within us to be loved and, and to have significance. That somebody thinks something of us. That we matter to somebody. And so some people, like this lady, she, she tried relationships. Other people will try to find significance in their job. And look at me, I'm moving up. I'm making more and more money. I'm significant. Or, or they, they get involved in athletics and are like, look at me, I, I'm winning awards. Please no, notice me. I'm significant. Or, or they look at even like their hobbies or just things, and then none of this is really bad, but when we start using them to somehow fill this and, and quench this thirst within us, you know, for me growing up, it was weightlifting. So I put that to the side, as you can tell. Anyways, I, <laughs> Well, you don't have to laugh at me. Jeez. No, you're supposed to go, I wouldn't say that. Harold, you look great. <laughs> now I know what you all think of me. See how that fits in? Yeah. No, when I was in high school, it was all about, well, part of it was survival, but the other part of it was I wanted to look good. I want people to go, wow, you, you can pump a lot of iron. You're really strong. Because I was the youngest of five Boys, and I needed somebody to, to see me, to notice me, to care. We all have it. The sad thing is, is for many people, they realize that's not working. So what do they do? They, they try to hide it. They try to get rid of it. They, they begin to look at other things, and I'll just call them distractions, but they become destructive. And so they fill their life with all sorts of activity, going from time to wake up in the morning to time to go to bed at night, and it's all about flurry of activity. They pour themselves into things. Others pour themselves into destructive things like drugs and alcohol and pornography and just all sorts of destructive stuff. Because the, the physical can never quench the spiritual. Jesus is looking to get to the deeper need. And sadly, she's still thinking of the physical need. She's saying, give me the water so that I don't have to keep on trucking out here every day. A half mile there, grab some water with a water bucket, bucket grab, you know, walking another half mile back. That's a lot of work every day. I'd rather not have to do that. But she's still thinking of the physical. So Jesus decides to go, okay, she's not getting it with the physical so let me move to a, a deeper level. Let me move to her emotional level. And so he says in verses 16 through 18, hey, go get your husband. So he kind of you know, slaps her out of the conversation and goes, go, go get your husband. Well, now she's kind of like, whoa, wait a second. Ah, uh, I don't have a husband. He's like, you're right, you don't. You've had five. And the sixth one that you're hanging out with is not your husband either. So, like all of us, she's desired, she has a desire to be loved and have significance. And like I just said, there's a lot of different ways we can do that. She chose relationships. She was married five times. But here's the deal. In the first century, 
wives couldn't divorce their husbands. Only husbands could divorce their wives. So what do you think that did for her? She wasn't stepping out of this marriage on her own terms. I'll show you. I'll just give you a divorce. No, five times she had a man say to her, you're not good enough. You're not worthy to love. You're not significant enough for me to stay with you. And on top of that, back in the first century, a woman by herself had no way of supporting herself, and if she didn't get remarried, she went into prostitution. That was the only way a woman can take care of herself. Today we have it great. But her, she's emotionally devastated. She's scarred. She's been beat up emotionally. She's a complete failure. Maybe guy number six will quench the thirst. You think? Probably not. Well, because he seems to know everything about her, she says, I, th- I think you must be a prophet from God. <laughs> you know, you're not just a normal guy. You must be a prophet. But she's also not comfortable with the conversation. This has gone a little bit too deep, too fast, a little TMI happening here. You're a little bit too close to my emotions. This is a little bit too raw, a little too personal. So she's going to try to change the subject on Jesus. And so she brings up this centuries-old debate about where people should worship God. Kind of weird, right? Not, you know, not really, because if you want to not talk about yourself, bring up religion, right? There's going to be a, a debate there, all right? So she's like, I don't want to talk anymore about my heart. Let's talk about something that you'd probably want to debate me on because you're a prophet. And so... It also shows that she has some knowledge about God and about these things, so it's kind of cool. So Jesus quickly answers her question. And as you know, Jesus is awesome, he's God, he can do cool things. So he's gonna take the opportunity. Okay, you want to change the subject? Okay, I've already tried to get your eyes thinking deeper with your the drink water thingy. That didn't work. I've tried now with the emotional need of love and significance, and evidently you're not want to connect there. You're going to change the subject, but I'm going to take it and twist it back, and I'm going to use it to get to the deeper need, your deeper spiritual need. So it's pretty cool what he does. So he gives a quick answer. He says, but an hour is coming, and now is, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, don't, don't gloss over this, for such people, God seeks. It's Jesus. He sought her out at the well. God seeks to be his worshipers. See, what she was wondering in the previous verses, she's wondering, hey, do I I worship God? Do I meet God? Do I have a relationship with God at the mountain that we say we should? Or do I have a relationship with God at the mountain you say I should? And Jesus is saying, listen, there's an hour coming, and it's now, Jesus where your relationship is at a spiritual, personal level. It's not about geography. It's about the spiritual side of us. A personal relationship with God. See, our deepest need 
for love and significance is found only in Jesus Christ. And knowing that God loves me, even though He knows everything about me, every thought I've ever had, every stupid thing I've ever done, every person I've ever hel- uh, hel- um, hurt, and maybe helped, <laughs> probably hurt more than I helped. But anyways, He still loves me. I still matter to Him. He still cares. See, God is spirit. And it's at that level that God quenches our thirst, our deepest need. Physical stuff can never penetrate. It's not powerful enough to meet our emotional needs or our spiritual needs. That's why we're we're wanting this thirst to be quenched and so we're looking at people and we're looking at things, but it doesn't work. So then we say, well, I'm going to... I'm going to try religion. And so I'm going to do a bunch of good stuff. The problem is you're still working in the physical world. And the physical is never powerful enough to get to the, to the heart of the matter, you know, to the, the spiritual, the soul thirst. I just love that word. It never can get there. But the spiritual, God, not only quenches the deepest thirst that we have. He quenches the emotional thirst that we have for love and to be significant. And he meets the physical need. We're going to be talking about that in our series. It's the spiritual that rushes back up through everything else and heals everything else, fixes everything else, quenches the thirst of everything else. Kind of like a well. You know, you got to go deep. And you got to get that bucket into that well. And that's when you draw the water up. We got to go deep, guys. We got we to go deep into who we are, into our souls. And draw the water that Jesus is offering us. Well, she says, I, I know the Messiah, the Christ, the Savior. It's all the same. She says Messiah, but it means Christ, the Savior. Will cl- come and explain all of this to us. And then Jesus says what? I'm the Messiah. Jesus has not been sharing this information, by the way, with everybody. (laughs) But he shares it with her because he wants her to know he's the one who's going to be explaining everything to her, starting with her deepest need. And if you kind of picture the thing, I'm kind of a cartoon mind guy, so I'm seeing this in my mind and I'm seeing Jesus like go, you know, drops the mic, looking at her, and she's like, <laughs> and then the disciples like, hey, what's going on? <laughs> it looks like something happened in here. What's needy? <laughs> no, sorry. We should probably we should probably have more respect for the disciples. They became the apostles. They started the church. You know, they're good guys, but they always seem to walk in at the wrong time, right? They just go. <laughs> sorry, I, I'm sorry. That I should probably ask for forgiveness for that one, but. No, so Jesus is like, Poof. disciples come walking in, and the lady's like, Poof. drops the bucket, right? And she takes off back to town. She gets it. She understood who Jesus was finally. She understood how it was that he knew everything about her. And she gets it that he's explaining everything about who she is 
and who he is and why, he needs her, why she needs him. It's, he's, well, we've got truth number three. He meets your deepest need. Here's a lady who was ostracized by her town, who, may, who isolated herself from people, who was messed up in relationships and everybody knew it. What does she do? She goes back into the town bold. I think I found the Messiah. He's told me everything about myself. They're like, yeah, well, we know about three quarters of it, you know. You got you to gotta talk to him. You got to see. You got to know what's going on. Look what it says. For that city, many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all things, everything that I've done. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they were asking to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Jesus is kind of a busy guy, right? You know, so he's, well, no, well, look at my calendar. I got a couple days. Many more believed because of his word. And they were saying to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard our, for, for ourselves and know that this is, here it is, one, this one is indeed the Savior of the world. Physical need, water. Emotional need, love and acceptance. What Savior of the world? What's he talking about there? The deeper spiritual need. We need somebody to save us. To save us from our sin. From everything that we're trying to hide from everybody else. From everything that he knows that we've already done and thought. We need somebody to save us from that because the consequences are we're going to have to pay for that otherwise. And sadly, the judgment for that is an eternity in hell. If you were here for our last series, we, we talked about that and Jesus said that himself. In fact, Jesus talks more about hell than anybody else in the Bible because he wants to warn us that there is such a place as hell. It wasn't originally designed for man, but when man sinned, now it became his end unless something changed and remember, the physical cannot impact the spiritual. But the spiritual can impact the physical. So we don't know exactly all that Jesus told them, but we know what the Gospel of John talks about, what Jesus taught in the Gospel of John. And so John 3:16 through 18 summarizes what John, the Gospel of John is all about. Jesus had to have covered this. Because right? this is what he's talking about. He says, for, for God so loved the world. Some people say, take that out, put a parenthesis in there, put your name in there. For God so loved Harold, that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him, the people believed in him. Same word. That means put your full weight of trust on. So, my example I use every time I talk about this word, every one of you walked in here and you did what? You sat down. I don't think I saw anybody going, let's see, is this thing welded right? Uh, is this thing going to be able to hold me? Nobody did that. Maybe somebody did, but I didn't see it. No, you came down full way to trust. <laughs> Sat down on it. That's what Jesus is saying to, him, uh, to us. You got to put your full way to trust on me. Believe what I'm saying about sin, about 
me, that I'm God, that I died on the cross for your sin, that I rose from the dead to defeat sin and death. And if you put your faith in me, God will forgive you your sins. And now you have God meeting your deeper spiritual need. Whoever believes him should not perish. That's, that's hell. But have eternal life. That's heaven. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world. Not at that point. In the future, it's going to happen. But at this point that Jesus is here, it's, that's not judgment time. That's saving time. All right? This is time for Jesus to save people. But that the world might be saved through him. The Savior of the world, they said. He who believes in him is not judged forever. When we place our faith in Christ, God forgives us our sins, and the Bible tells us that God declares us not guilty. That's a declaration from God, not guilty. We're not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already. In other words, you know, I mean, if you're not going to believe, it's the only option you have, and God's the only one powerful enough to do this, and if you want to reject that, God's not going to force himself because he loves us, so he's not going to force himself on us. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. We have to put our faith in Christ. God the Son. It's an interesting note I just thought about this morning. Jesus was teaching hundreds and thousands of people at a time. But he made a point to meet with this one hurting woman. To let her know that he knew everything about her. Wouldn't reject her. Then she brought hundreds of people to him. That's pretty cool, isn't it? So what is it Jesus wants you to take away this morning? The truth that Jesus knows everything about us, everything about you, and he still loves us. Well, the first one is this. Meet Jesus right here, right now, where you are, how you are, the condition you're in. Isn't it awesome? Jesus didn't say to the lady, hey, you go and you fix, you go get married to that guy and be the best wife you can be, then maybe I'll talk to you. He, he didn't say go and fix whatever other relationships you need to fix and then, then I'll have a conversation with you. No. He met her where she was at. And then said, let me meet your deepest need. Everything else will take care of itself if we have a relationship with God. God will work through everything else, take everything else, make it work out for good, Scripture says. And by good, he means for his purposes and our growth. But we've got to take that first step and look to him. He doesn't want you to change He said, down the road, there'll be changes. Right now, he just wants to meet you right where you're at. With all the hurts, with all the pains, with everything you're trying to hide, with everything that's already out in the open. He says, listen, I want to meet your deepest need. So, the second thing is, let him. Let Jesus meet your deepest need. Let him forgive you of your sin. Let him restore your relationship with him. Let him give you eternal life. Wow, you got nothing to lose. So here's what I'd like to do this morning.
as we close out. It's simply a conversation that you need to have with God. Where you're at, quietly, your heart to his heart. If you're sitting here this morning, and you're saying, you know, I need that. that that's what I need. I get it now. I understand. Then you need to have that conversation with God. And what we do around here is, if it's helpful for you, I, I can lead you in a prayer and the prayer is just a word that we use saying that we're talking with God. And I can lead you in that prayer and, and you can repeat that prayer to God and just make, you know, just be genuine about it, be you know, certain about it. And let him know. We use the, the ABCs a lot. And so we just need to admit. You've sinned and need a Savior. We, you know, those of us here who have already done this, we've admitted that. <laughs> you know, I'm a sinner. Saved, but I, I, you know, I'm a sinner. And then you need to believe. Put your full weight of trust that Jesus died your eternal death in hell. When he died on the cross, he didn't just hang there and then go into a tomb. Scripture tells us he went to hell. And he died your eternal death. Because he's God, he can do that. He can, he's all-powerful. He can die an eternal death for everyone who's ever lived, including you and me. And then confess that. Tell God you believe that Jesus died for you and, and ask him to forgive you your sins. It's, it's that simple. So here's what I'd like to do. If, if you're saying, yeah, Harold, I'd love to pray that and, and if you would lead me into prayer, I would really appreciate that. It would just kind of help me out. You know, let me do that for you. So just go ahead and close your eyes. You don't need anybody looking around. This is just, again, between you and God. But if you'd like me to do that, to, to lead you in a prayer, you're saying, yes, I need to put my faith in Jesus Christ. I need to be, my deepest spiritual need needs to be met. Just slip your hand up, and I'll lead you in a prayer. An opportunity for you to just make sure that your deepest spiritual need is met. If you'd like me to pray, I can do that for you. If not, you just need to have that conversation with God. And if you do, I'd love to hear about it. I'm going to ask Caleb and the band to close us, close us out in a song. You can lift your heads and open your eyes. I don't want you guys falling asleep just yet. That's for later on when the football game is. I'm going to ask Caleb and the band to close us out in a song. I'm going to be in the back, and if you, if you want to talk, maybe if you're a Christian, you're like, man, Harold, I need to kind of work through some things. I'll be in the back. You just come back here, talk to me. If you want to know more about who Jesus Christ is, I'd love to be able to have that conversation with you. But for now, I'll have Caleb finish things out for us. Awesome. Let's go ahead and stand up.